Football season is back. Week two, college football. Kick it off here shortly. Week one of the NFL kicks off tomorrow night. Packers begin their season at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. This is Scalzo and Bross, presented by Bud Light across ESPN Wisconsin. And we're excited to bring in somebody who knows how to gamble far better than either of us from ESPN. You see him on the Daily Wager on ESPN. He is Doug Kazarian. Doug, appreciate the time. And I want to start with the Green Bay Packers uh, because I. I've been preaching the over on the win total bet the last few seasons for this Green Bay Packers team. It's up to 11 now, which is higher than it's been the past couple of years. And the Packers obviously been 13-win season after 13-win season under Matt LaFleur. You look at over under 11 for the Packers this year. What do you think? Well, good to be on with you guys. I think the conversation starts with Devontae Adams. That's the biggest storyline. Can Rodgers do it? Now, he certainly did it in one game. Last year, when everyone had COVID, they went into Arizona and won, although there was a miscommunication on the final pass to the end zone by the Cardinals. Nonetheless, Rodgers will make guys open, things like that. So I'm not too worried personally, but it's also very competitive or non-competitive, I think, NFC, very top-heavy with the Packers, Rams, we think the Bucks, Vikings probably in the discussion, a notch below. Both NFC East teams kind of a notch below, too, with the Cowboys and Eagles. But it's really top-heavy as opposed to the AFC, which is just deep as can be three solid AFC West teams. Then you have the Bills, the favorite overall in the NFL. And then even some of the other teams can make some noise. So I think it's one of those things where will they win those games that were sort of coin flip games? You just touched on it. Opening on the road in Minnesota as a short road favorite of two. That is, that is going to make or break, I think, this 11 wins. But I am overall, I'm bullish on the Packers' futures. I think they're getting dismissed a little too easily. Rodgers is that special in terms of MVP voting or betting, I should say. No one's betting on him to win MVP. He's won it back-to-back years. I think there's, quote-unquote, value on Rodgers because the number is so high for a guy that is so capable of winning because the NFC is a little thin, and thus they should finish with a lot of wins. I think they, uh, Aaron's got the narrative, too, here with losing Devontae and having to do it with guys who really haven't proven it other than Randall Cobb with him. But I want to stick with that Packers-Vikings game, uh, them being short home, uh, short road favorites. Uh, look, it's on the no-bet list for me this week because it's such a tough game. If there was going to be any action that you would say to look at in this game, what, would, what do you like? Yeah, I'm kind of with you on this. For me, it's hard to dip my toe in this early. Although, if I had power ratings and trusted my numbers, I would bet. I just feel like the NFL, I think literally every game comes to every, – every game's point spread decision comes down to like three or four plays. It's like a fumble here or there or a third and six. Did they convert or they have to settle for a field goal instead of getting a touchdown? Things like that. It's such a tight market, and we can make these like grandiose statements and big sort of uh, decisions and, and assessments of things based on a few plays every game. I really think all these games are decided by just a couple plays in terms of the point spread. And obviously when the point spread's so close, then it's really the game's going to be decided uh, by a few plays. So for me, I think that I need to just see the Vikings and this new coach, new offensive system. How do they all kind of fit together? Um, obviously we think the offense is going to be special with Jefferson taking a giant step forward as well. Just maybe Cousins will be that much more comfortable, but we just don't know. And we don't, there's so many unknowns. And I think that's betting in sports in general but there's just no need to get involved in that game in my eyes. I think there's other opportunities on the betting board for week one, but I am curious, like maybe some player props, things like that. But honestly, like the Packers stinker in the opener last year is still 
fresh in my mind. That's something that's given me pause for any wager on that game. Uh, talk with Doug Kazarian of the Daily Wager, 6 p.m. Eastern, well, 5 p.m. Central. We don't do Eastern time out here, Doug. Uh, on ESPN2, check him out there. Now, uh, Ben and I, uh, we are not disciplined betters. And so when he says that's on the do not bet list, that means absolutely nothing, as we learned on Saturday when we went Hawaii late after actually having a decent week for week one. Um, just, just no discipline whatsoever. Everything you said about the NFL is true, and having the little information we do about this season, like what is your week one NFL strategy? Uh, because I have a hard time containing myself when I know I'm going to sit there and consume 12 hours of football. Well, I think you're right. It takes time to let to, to develop a discipline. Sometimes it takes a lot of losses and, and getting your your face, your brain's kicked in to learn that. My thing is, I wish the, the line all week and the closing line is just the first time out, like. Yes, we could wager prior to the game, but you also have an opportunity throughout the game to wager. So if you, if you force a play before the game, you're kind of skewing your perception going into the game and making it that much harder to win. I'm all for finding some action. Don't get me wrong. But that action can come in different shapes and sizes, namely a halftime bet, an in-game bet. So if you're feeling the itch, that is the kiss of death. So sometimes you're just so married to that first bet when your first bet doesn't exactly have any conviction. It's something that was sort of a forced play just to get a action. But remember, you can wager at any point during the game. So go into it thinking I'm going to find some action, but I'm going to keep my options open here. That would be my number one piece of advice of talking you off the ledge to say, hey, <laughs> you can scratch this itch. It just doesn't have to be right now. Not like, hey, it's all or nothing. Don't bet or bet before the game. Can the, I- other thing is, the other thing is it's just like, you know, let it come to you in general. You'll find opportunities. If you don't see it, you don't see it early. So, Doug, this weekend when I'm at uh, Camp Randall on Saturday and I'm out with all my former teammates and buzzed up, can I call you to talk me off the ledge? Like, are you available for those services? Yeah, it should be like my, my second like job title should be negotiator, like a like a crisis negotiator. I think it, uh, yeah. I think it'd be great because yeah. Hawaii's on the no bet list. Uh, they're well, they're zero two against the spread. One of my favorite pl- uh, plays last week, and I was on the over as one of my top three plays, and you know Ugh. it was oh, just I saw that. at the end of the game. I mean, just ridiculous. If anybody can watch bad beats, go check it out. It's it was one for the ages, no doubt. Um, so I guess what I was going to ask is, do you have a uh, another late night t- uh, team that I should maybe focus on, or is this not part of the smart strategy? Well, no, my favorite play this particular weekend is the Sunday night game, so the last game of the week, if you will, the bailout game. And I like the under between the Cowboys and Bucks. It's 50-and-a-half. Now, sometimes things change based on information. So throughout the summer, obviously these numbers have been up all summer, and the, and some of the things have changed, like the Bucks team total has gone from 11-and-a-half to 11 and the Cowboys are no longer the favorites in the NFC East. The, the Eagles just surpassed them, and that's because of these injuries to the O-line. But what hasn't changed is that over-under 15-and-a-half. So Brady and all these injuries, like nothing has changed in that game. And then Tyron Smith, it is documented how much worse the offense is in terms of yards per play, sack percentage, everything with Tyron Smith off the field each of the last two years. So at 15-and-a-half, I just think that's too big of a number when you're talking about a team like Tampa Bay with this offensive line is going to just have trouble with big strike capabilities. I don't think they're going to have trouble maybe getting some points, but I just think that the, the, the pace they play and the, the time it takes for them to get touchdowns is going to take a little longer, thus the under. So I like the under Sunday night 50 and a half. 
Greg, do you give me approval to put down the Scalzombrus dual betting site? Let's do it. All right, sounds We're good. We're trusting you, Doug. Doug Kazarian, <laughs> Daily Wager, uh, 5 p.m. ESPN2. Make sure you catch him there. He's a good follow on Twitter uh, as well. Uh, we talked a lot of NFL here. We uh, we are big college football fans. We've got Madison. We've got Milwaukee. We've got Beaver Dam, Wisconsin here. A lot of Badger fans. These games before you hit the conference for many uh, Wisconsin fans, you have the massive spread. You've got the weak opponents. What's your recommendation for people who might want to have a little bit of action on a team like Wisconsin, but they're 37.5-point favorites uh, going up against a team like Illinois State? Well, that's the number one difference between college and pro is just the variance in point spreads. You get these 20, 30, and 40-point lines, whereas obviously that's just not happening in the NFL. So you kind of approach it differently, and the range of talent, like the gap of talent between the best team and the worst team, is so much wider in college than it is in the pros. So don't be scared off if you think there's value. Now, sometimes you have to have a narrative with some of these big big numbers, right? Like, will Wisconsin keep pounding it in the fourth quarter? And they kind of are a team that typically does. Like like Dabo we saw on Monday night is a team that typically will keep their offense humming and things like that, even in a blowout, whereas the NFL, they're taking knees and stuff like that. So when you're laying these kind of numbers, it has to be sort of a system matchup. It has to be a situation where you trust, are, are they just like an overwhelming team that's going to rip off big runs because the Badgers aren't going to exactly be slinging it around late in the game if they have a big lead and trying to, and then when you're trying to hope they cover these big numbers. Doug, looking at player props and you know some different guys, do you think Rashawn Gary, can you make a case for him to actually have a potential chance at a defensive player of the year? Wow. Uh, that's a bold, uh, that's a bold <laughs> prediction. Why not, right? Give me, um, give me Jair. Is there any Packer from this like the the defense that's no. supposed to take a big jump? I would say no. That's my opinion on that. But there's also like long shot odds. It's just the guys who typically win, whether it be the NFC or sorry, the Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, look at all the guys that have won the last handful of years. It's not a long shot. Like Aaron Donald, I think was seven to one the first year he made it, and but it's really just like a four horse race when you factor in the Bosa's. Um, Donald and J.J. Watt, who won it last year. So I would say on the defensive side of the ball, and the offensive, you know, player of the year is a little bit more of a fantasy MVP than maybe the MVP award is because the MVP award typically goes to a quarterback on the one or two seed. That's why Rodgers has thrived because they've been 13-3, and three, as you guys mentioned earlier. But, like, an offensive player of the year, it's going to be, like, a guy who's just such a producer in fantasy like Cup was last year. I think Jonathan Taylor's a solid bet at 7 or 8 to 1 or even 10 to 1, I think I've seen recently. But to get one of those guys off the grid, they're just going to have to be so dominant. So I would say look through the fantasy lens because those are the guys that really produce. Of the last 10 Offensive Player of the Years, uh, five of them have also been the MVP. So it was like special seasons like Lamar Jackson's MVP year, uh, Patrick Mahomes' MVP year, things along those lines. So I would say, uh, I would say think of it through that lens. Doug Kazarian, Daily Wager, 5 p.m. ESPN2. A couple more quick ones for you here, Doug. Just with the NFL season starting up, what teams do you think uh, are most undervalued heading into the season and who do you think is the most overrated? Uh, in terms of win totals or just in general, like the market perception? The market perception, because I, I, I think that, that there's, you know, there's certainly those of us who are on some futures heading into the year, but I think as you get into it early on, uh, you know, in the first four weeks, people are always trying to identify where they could find value with some of those teams that maybe aren't getting the love that they should be. Well, in general, you got to look at some underdogs. Last year, there was like, I think, eight or nine underdogs that won outright 
going into the season. So typically it's going to be hard to, to have the data points this early in the season as opposed to later in the season. I know pro bettors typically told me they have maybe twice as many bets in September than they do rest of the season just because there's value to be made if you trust your numbers early on. In terms of those teams, I don't know like how bad are the bad teams. If it, you think there's value on the Seahawks, the Bears, the Falcons, are those teams that bad? The spreads aren't too high, but they're still like sizable home dogs, all three of them this week. So that's something to look through the lens. I'm not running to jump and bet on them, but I'm not really jumping to bet against them either, laying those big numbers with questionable teams on the road. So I would say the team I've been biggest uh, bullish on is the Saints. I think they're going to win the division. I'm a Jameis Winston apologist. I know the knee injury and all that, but just everything else about that team, whether it be the outstanding defense, the Bucks on the little bit on the decline, and all those weapons for Winston, those are all reasons to be bullish on them, and eight and a half wins is a buy for me on the over. I love it. That's sneaky good. That is sneaky good. Doug, you are uh, not sneaky good. You are great. We appreciate the time. We're going to be in touch this football season because uh, we need a lot of help here, and so does the uh, the Scalzo and Bruss family. So we appreciate your time and look forward to catching up again soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Best of luck. Absolutely. You too. Doug Kazarian, Daily Wager, 5 p.m. ESPN2. Get in the know. Get in the game. He knows his stuff. Big thanks to him uh, here for joining us. I love that Saints call. I like the Cowboys Bucks under as well. My favorite part, though, Josh, he was Ben Bruss dropping in uh, the teammate. The teammate. Nah. Yeah, man. that was totally A little humble grad. You yeah, know I was going grad. to. I, I got goosebumps just thinking about that, that late night game, the total, and seeing how close. Like, man, I'm oh, so yeah. excited. Oh, not, o- not only that, but also Ben right away just being like, yeah, I, I like Rodgers for MVP too. <laughs> I gave my full take on the entire You gave our expert in there. your take. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the expert. Uh, bank yes. account shows otherwise. Um, well, betting bank account. Whoa, we do know that according to Google, you're worth between $1 and $5 million, although you continue to deny it.